0: So I was reminded this morning that uh, God used Paul as one of the greatest speakers in the Bible and Paul had severe stage fright and he spoke to thousands and God also used Moses who stuttered and actually when God spoke to Moses, he actually said to God, God, I think you got the wrong guy because that's not me, I I, I stutter, I, I don't really talk great. And God said, no, I, I do it with the right guy. So I want to start out with a little bit of a joke today, and this is just a tongue-in-cheek joke, but there was a pastor in North Carolina, and, and he decided that uh, he wanted the week off. And uh, so he wanted to skip church one morning. So he told his assistant, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just not feeling well. He drove to a golf course far, far away in a town where no one would recognize him, and he tees off on the first hole. It's a 450-yard par four, a real long hole. He hits his tee shot, and a huge gust of wind comes and picks up his ball and throws it an extra 100 yards. It rolls down a hill, down a couple crevices, and goes right into the hole, a hole-in-one on a par four, which is absolutely unheard of. An angel looked at God and said, what did you do that for? God smiled and said, who's he going to (laughs) tell? So that's the way we're going to start today. Um, Josh is not playing golf today, so I I didn't want you to think that. Um, so today we're going to finish this series, uh, we entitled, uh, Building a New You, okay? So we're going to look back a little bit on what we learned in case you missed a week or anything like that. But, uh, the recap would be the first we started talking about the curb appeal versus the character reveal that God wants to show you. That God wants to build something phenomenal in you if you let him. Then we talked about the foundation, how the heart is important and the seven components of the heart being cheerful, wise. Anyone else name any others? Noble, great one. Loving, pure, God-filled, undivided, all beautiful things. Then we talked about the brain, right? So we talked about Samson and his lovely locks of hair and all of those fun stories when the woman kept coming back to him and Samson always had a different answer and was kind of playing her. And in Judges 16, Samson never changed his way of thinking. Romans 12, 1 through 2 said, We offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and this is your true and proper worship. We wanted to change your mind to positive thoughts, not negative. And then Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. And people usually stop there, right? They usually stop and they go, man, that was a great verse. But it says something really interesting after this, and this really stuck out to me last night. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Whatever's right, whatever's noble, whatever's true, whatever's pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Having a negative mind is having a narrow mind. And when you have a negative mind, you can't focus on what God has in store for your life because negativity is not from God. It's just simply not. The more you think on those noble, pure, and lovely things, the more you're thinking about God, the more you think about God, the more you're with Him, the more you're with Him. The more likely that those negative things are not going to bother you. you. guys ever heard the term, haters going to hate? Haters going to hate, but my God is still King of Kings. Doesn't matter what's going on, okay? And then last week, Mark Bernard transformed our houses and our rooms, incurring us not encouraging us not to leave God out of certain rooms in our lives. So we, we kind of said, okay, God, you know, we're, we're going to bring you to work, but we're not going to bring you to the ball field today. We're, we're going we're gonna to take you to school, but I'm not going to take you after school when I hang out with my friends. Okay, so we're going to make sure that we're keeping God in every compartment of our lives. So that's going to move us to today, which is our final piece. And today we're going to talk about the eyes, the hands, and the feet Okay, so your eyes are what you focus on. Okay, so every single day we look at things and our eyes are what we focus on. There's 48 verses in the Bible that talk about our eyes and how important they are. Proverbs 4.25 says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. It doesn't say keep looking behind you. It doesn't say kind of creep off to the side a little bit and make sure. It says, "No, no, no, keep your eyes straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. The Bible talks about our eyes a lot. In fact, some of it is pretty brutal. In Matthew 5.29, it says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. The importance of our eyes, right? It, it, it's the windows to our soul. It's everything that we see. It's everything we are. My son Levi is two and a half years old, and for those of you guys who've met him or seen him, ever since he was one year old, I put him to bed every night, and when I put him to bed after he drinks his milk, he has a fun little game. He likes to sit up right in my face, and he points out all my, my body parts. He goes, nose, eyes, and, and being a little boy, he doesn't understand boundaries and that things hurt. So, he goes nose, and he touches nose, and then eyes, I mean, literally, it's just gouging, you know, pew, 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 right into the eyeballs. And for a year straight, I'm like, buddy, you you can't, and like, so when I say eyes, I like shut my eyes as hard as I can to attempt not to get them poked out of my head. But think about it, as, as Christians, we kind of treat our eyesight the same way. We don't realize how fragile it is, and we bring in things that we shouldn't see. We let in sin that, that we shouldn't see in our eyes soak in through them. And we fill it with things that aren't pleasing to God, and it blinds us, right? How many things every day, my mom, when I was a little boy, used to always say, garbage in, garbage out, right? Scott, if you watch a garbage TV show, you're going to spit out garbage things, right? It's the same, same true with our eyes. Hebrews twelve one through two says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Therefore, we're surrounded by all these things. Let us throw off anything that may hinder us. And entangle us. I heard a really interesting scenario and and an interesting analogy the other day, and someone said, You know, we all have sin in our lives, right? None of us are perfect, right? And and you can think of that one thing that maybe you've struggled with in your life. And we say, you know what, it's just one little thing. You ever you ever read the book Gulliver's Travelers? Some of you younger guys may have read that recently. But in Gulliver's Travel, he wakes up one day and he's a giant in this land of little people. And he wakes up, and there's a few little, almost like dental floss over him, but they're huge ropes to these little people. But it's just like little dental floss. And if he decided he could just get up and boom, and just bust out of these ropes, he falls back asleep, and he wakes up, and there's hundreds of these little ropes all over his body, and now he can't move, and he's frozen. Sin is that same exact scenario, guys. It just takes one little sin to enter into our lives. And we look at it, we go, it's just one little sin. It's just one little sin. It's not a big deal. Well, eventually, when we wake up, that sin has now entangled us. And now we can't move. And the enemy has us right where he wants us. So fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, saying, hey, guys, we have a role model. We have a man who came to this earth, who lived a perfect life, who lived a life without sin, and he's the example that we're to follow. Matthew six twenty two says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Again, Whatever you bring in through your eyes will ultimately be what you put out. Focus on Jesus first, and don't necessarily look for Jesus in every situation because the enemy comes to rob, kill, and destroy. Instead, look to Jesus in every situation and how he would guide you to live through that. So that is our eyes, guys, and and the eyes are really the the foundation and the principle of everything that we're going to talk about today. Now we're going to move to our hands. And our hands are what you do. So I thought 48 verses was pretty amazing. I was like, 48 verses in the Bible where they talk about eyes. That is phenomenal. 85 times they mention our hands. 85 times. First Timothy 2.8 says, Therefore, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Hands should be for giving, for helping, for doing things in the community. People often reference, hey, be the hands and the feet of Jesus. I'm sure you guys have heard that before, right? The things that go go and do in the community. But we forget that those things we reference are the only places on Jesus that had nails driven through them, pierced, marked forever. I, they, they say hands, right? But for those of you who know, Jesus is, didn't have nails through his hands because the cartilage and the bones in your hands couldn't support your body weight. So if they were to crucify you through your hands, you would literally fall off and it would rip through your hands. So it's actually technically a wrist and this bone can actually hold your body weight and that's how Jesus was crucified, was through his wrists here. Even after the resurrection... Jesus had his doubting Thomas, right? The guy that doubted no matter what. And John 20, 24 through 29, this is a little bit of a long verse, but I, I want to share it with you guys. Now, Thomas, one of the 12 disciples, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. Now, guys, remember, Jesus died. He was crucified, okay? He's in a tomb. And 11 of the 12 guys are saying, we've seen Jesus. And they're excited. 11 of 12 guys. So, I mean, if these are your boys, your your homies, right? The guys that you're hanging out with every week, and they say they've seen Jesus, you think you'd you'd believe them, right? Like, okay, they're credible. 11 of them, they're not punking me, right? No. Thomas, Thomas said something different. But he said to them, hey, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and I can put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side... I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, okay? So they're in this room. The doors are all locked. There's no windows, It's just 12 of them. And Jesus comes in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas specifically, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Jesus is saying, Okay. I came, I did a miracle, I walked through a door, I raised from the dead, I moved the tomb, I did all these great things, now you felt my hands, you've felt my side, you felt everything, and you believe, great, fantastic. That'd be like Bigfoot walking in the room here, okay, there's, there's a Bigfoot, there he is, sure enough, that's not a costume, Bigfoot, nice to meet you, thanks for coming today, have a seat, versus believing in Bigfoot when you've never seen it. The same thing is saying, Jesus says, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Having faith when the rest of the world tells you, No, your, your God isn't big. If your God is so big, why did 20 people die last night? We live in a fallen world, guys. That's why. We live in a fallen world. And this world needs Jesus more than ever. More than ever. If your hands are going to be rebuilt by and for Jesus, then they have to have his mark. Are the projects we do, the jobs we have, the recreational activities we partake in, do they show the mark of Jesus in my life? Think about your everyday life, right? So let's take one of you school-age kids, right? So you probably start at home, right? There's mom and dad and, you know, the family and the brothers and sisters and all that kind of stuff, and that's all good. And then you go to school, and then you have your friends and the people that you love, and then you have the people that you don't really like or they don't really like you or maybe you don't fit in with them. And then after school, you have your real friends that you hang out with and you have fun with and you do all these different things. Then on Sundays, you go to church and you have your other friends, and then you have, uh, you know, coffee house kids and you have your other friends. Would every one of those friends say the same thing about you? Would every friend at work, I own the company next door, if you went to my 20 employees and said, hey guys, tell me what you think of Scott, would they have the same answer that you guys would? I don't know the answer to that. But it's a focus of mine every day, for sure. Can people unmistakably know that you are a child of the King of Kings? Have you ever met someone, you've just been out somewhere, and you just said, are you a Christian? You ever done that? I have. I met someone that that they just had this joy about them, this peace about them, this way about them. You know why, guys? Because that's not them. That's the spirit of the living God flowing out of them like a fountain because they have so much God in them, they can do nothing but let it out let it out. When you spend enough time with God, serving God, looking for ways to bless others, the Spirit of God will overflow from you like a fountain. And that's, that's the goal here, guys. Remember, our, we're not here at True Life Church to speak to you 65 or so people here in these rooms. We're here because we want to impact Brevard County. We want to make a difference in every one of your workplaces. So that every single person, I have difficult people that work for me, guys. I have people that I wouldn't hang out with on the weekends. you guys have any of those at your work? You have to spend 10 hours a day with them, but on the weekends, you're sure as heck not spending time with those people, okay? But that's okay. But was I the best example of Jesus that I could be? Did they see something in me that made them question what is different? Preston, what's different about you, man? I noticed that. See? What's different about you, man? You you're never really complain. You're always happy. You're a hard worker. You do your thing. You're always doing the right thing. You're not going and partying and doing these crazy things. What's different about you, Preston? Amen. Jesus. That's the beginning of a conversation, guys. And when you live your life in a way that honors and glorifies God, and you try to seek Him in every single decision you make, people are going to start to ask questions. And that's all it takes. That's that little mustard seed. That's that little thing that it takes to start a conversation to talk to someone about Jesus. Finally, we're going to talk about our feet today. And the Bible had 48 times talking about feet as well. We're going to talk to Romans 10, 14 through 15, said, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Are you taking the gospel with you everywhere you go? Or do you leave Jesus behind? Maybe at work, maybe at school, maybe on the ball field. Whatever it may be, we need to bring him with us everywhere because this world needs some good news. Guys, I don't watch the news. It is forbidden in my house. It is never turned on. It is not allowed to be on. When I go to my in-laws and it's on, I tell them it's got to come off when Levi walks through that door because that is nothing but poison and garbage and all kinds of things that I don't need to be focusing on. I don't need to fill my head on all that stuff. I know the enemy is out there. I know there is murder. I know there is death. I know there is stealing. I know there is all kinds of bad things happening. But what I need to focus on is How is God going to use my feet today to make a difference in this world so maybe I can end up on the news for something good? Okay? God has a plan for you. I read a Bible, three Bible verses every night to my son as I put him to sleep, and one of them is, I say, Levi, and I speak to him as if it's just to him. I say, Levi, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Guys, when you fill your head and you go out into this world trying to do good things and not focusing on all the negativity and all of this stuff out there that we have, and this presidential election that has us all pulling out our hairs, right? I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't care who President of the United States is because Jesus Christ is King of King and Lords of Lords on this earth. Okay, And every day that these things keep happening, I keep feeling like maybe he's a little bit closer to coming back. Okay, I'm ready, Lord, when you are, so let's go. Proverbs 4.26 says this, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Let's read it again. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Don't just walk aimlessly. Does it say walk aimlessly and wander around life? No, 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 no. Mark out a straight path. Guys, do you know two weeks ago when Josh came and did that vision statement for our church and told us where we're going and what our mission is and and where God has put in his heart that this church is going? That was the best week True Life Church has ever had, period. The best week because we're putting a path in front of us. We're not saying we're gonna survive, guys. Oh, we got enough money for 58 more weeks. Woo! We're gonna su- oh no, we're gonna go help this guy over here. No, no, no. We're putting a straight path. Straight path, guys. True life church has a path. Does your life have a path? Do you guys have a path for your walk with Jesus? Do you have a plan when you go to work? My plan is today to get Judy. I want to bless Judy. Judy is miserable. She is always negative. She's the one lady I see her walking. I'm like, oh, don't look at her. Right? Judy's that one lady. I want to love on Judy today. I heard Judy loves Krispy Kreme. I'm going to go pick up a dozen just for her. Do you have a a path? Or are we wandering into work every day? Okay, God, use me how you're going to use me. God says it pretty clear. Mark out a path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. You know what I'm most guilty of? I don't know if when you guys arrive at work, but when I arrive at work, my worst habit that I do is I open up email. Oh, Lord, help me. I open up email And now I got 50 emails waiting for me. And what I had a path for that day. I had meetings set, and I was doing big things. And now what am I doing? I'm playing firefighter. I gotta respond to this email real quick. Okay, I gotta respond to this email real quick, right? And my path got completely destroyed, and I got sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked, keep your feet from following evil. John 13, 1 through 17 is where Jesus washes the feet of His disciples. Guys, let me say that again. Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, got on His hands and knees and washed the dirty, disgusting feet. Remember, they didn't have shoes back then. They didn't have boots, right? They had sandals that probably were falling apart and dirt roads everywhere he got on his hands and knees, and he washed each of their feet before dinner. An act of humility that transcends time and understanding. Think about that. What's the significance of Jesus doing this? Well, imagine, like I said, the filthy roads of Palestine, right? These filthy dirt roads, and and they're just on them 24-7. They didn't have hot water on demand showers, right? They didn't didn't have work boots. They didn't have, you know, cars that they could drive. They didn't even have horses. They're, They're just kind of walking everywhere they went, okay? Their feet were filthy, guys. Jesus rose from the table. They're all sitting there, and typically what would happen is the lowliest servant in the house would come and before dinner, wash everyone's feet. So they're all sitting around talking, get ready for dinner. The food's coming out and Jesus stands up. He rises from the table and he began to wash their feet, a job that was done by the lowliest of servants. This blew my mind, guys. Jesus didn't come as king and conqueror, but as the suffering servant. As revealed in Matthew 20, 28, for he came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, God's only Son came to this earth to be a servant, to die on a cross for you and for your sins and for my sins. After washing all the disciples' feet, Jesus told them, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. And that's in John 13, 15. So after Jesus washes all of his disciples' feet, he goes, all right, guys, now you've seen it. He knows what's about to come. But I want you guys to go and do as I've done to you. And he's talking to each and every one of us, guys. Every day, how can we be the hands and feet of Jesus? How can we serve Jesus? others. How can we love on the unlovable? You guys are lovable people. You guys are easy to love on. You guys are easy to say, so good to see you. Awesome. How's life? But think of that person in your life that's a lot of bit unlovable, who's difficult to be around, who you don't want to do sweet things for. How do we serve that person? Think of the 12 men and what some of them did to Jesus. Few of them were the reason he ended up on a cross. Right? Some words they said, basically narking on him. Jesus still said, No, no, no. I'm here to serve you, I'm here to love you. As Jesus's followers, we are to emulate him, serving one another in lowliness of heart and mind, seeking to build each other up in humility and love. Seeking to build each other up in humility and love. I'm going to close here, guys, with this. If you're going to let God build a new you, you have to let Him do it from the ground up. It has to start with the foundation. It has to go to your heart. It has to be in your head and your brain. And now we know That has to be through our eyes, through our hands, through our feet. You have to have all components to live a life that will honor and glorify Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Jesus, we thank you for coming to this earth for dying for us, for our sins. When we weren't worthy of anything that you did here on earth, Lord, you still did it, and we thank you for that. For anyone in this room who may not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing him is as easy as saying this prayer in your heart. Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. And I thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. Come into my heart, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. That I can never forgive myself. Please, God, forgive me of my sins. And I thank you for dying on a cross for me. Lord Jesus, I pray that each and every person here, that as they move forward through this week, that we could learn how to be your eyes, your hands, and your feet, Lord, that no matter what we're going through, and no matter what happens, we would be able to live in a way that would honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.